your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller. The Boston Bruins are the latest team to be eliminated from the playoffs. Tampa Bay moves on. We'll get into all that. And could this be the end for Big Z? Plus, we had maybe the most surprising goalie matchup of the playoffs in Colorado's thrilling victory. And by thrilling, I say that sarcastically as they lit up Sends abroad Ben Bishop early and often. We'll get into all that, plus some send storylines later in the show. All that and more. This the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, September 1st, Pelsey. We can officially say that the NHL draft is one month away. 38 days to be specific, but first let's dance on the grave of the Boston Bruins because Boston is always a town with hot takes coming out the yin-yang. I want to read you a couple. KPD, Kevin Paul Dumont of the Globe, he says, Tampa's game-winning goal with six foot six headman firing a wrister with five foot nine Krug trying to push a 6'2 maroon out of the way from a 5'11 halak. Size matters. Well... Um, what's your take on that one? I don't know why that guy had to do that. Uh, that, Me either. <laughs> that just seems unnecessary. Sounds he, awfully personal. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Does he have their social insurance numbers and uh, weight and birthdays attached to those two? Jeez. But yeah, that's it's tough for the Bruins. This is, this is kind of a dynasty that uh, is realizing they're not at the top of the food chain anymore. You know, like all those guys that were so good. Uh, for them in their cup runs they just didn't get it done this time and that's a Tampa team that's just built so deep and I'm not the first to remind you let's not forget they did this without Steven Stamkos the entire time so this Tampa team is poised for a really deep run here and they're the first ones off to the conference finals and we have a take quake you mentioned that yeah, um, it wasn't only the fact that Stamkos was out for Tampa, but Tuukka Rask opting out after Game Two of Round One for family reasons, and you don't question that unless you're Mark James, uh, who tweeted out this morning, "Dear Tuka, as a lifelong Bruins fan, I'm disgusted by your cowardly decision to give up. You quit on Boston, your coaches, all of your teammates, yourself, every Bruins fan." I hope that I never see you in a black and gold sweater with the spoke B again. That has 230 likes and 1,500 replies. That belongs in the Ratio Hall of Fame. For good reason, that's Ratio. Uh, you know the one part he didn't say Tuka quit on? His family. <laughs> like, come on. Are you, like People like this that view athletes all the time as simply like entertainers and uh, like just numbers that add to a sport are just baffle me. Like this guy has a life. He has a family. He, he has young kids that he's got to worry about. I don't think if you talk to anyone in that Bruins locker room, I don't think for a second they're thinking that they lost this because Tuca put his family first and wasn't there for them. Who, uh, 
Halak played really well, I thought. Even in this game, like two of the goals, he had no chance on. They were tips. What are you going to do? And then the Hedman one, you know, that's one you, you want to get back. But like that guy said, there were some uh, some big size guys in his way, some little size guys too, apparently. Uh, and he couldn't see it. And when you're in the second overtime, stuff like that happens. I feel like most OT goals are soft, lucky goals. It's tough that it had to happen in elimination, but that's the way it goes. Well, let's take a closer look then. And this is from the return to play. So this counts the round robin. Tuka Rask played four games, had one win, and a 9.04 save percentage, while Yarrow Halak had a 9.02 save percentage in nine games. And he won four to nine. So they basically had identical save percentage, which, I mean, that's how many pucks you stop. Pretty important if you're standing between the net. as a goalie-friendly show. We can definitely attest to that. And uh, speaking of goalies, I want to move into the fact that it's absurd, and this kind of leads into the Colorado-Dallas situation, but after last night when Ben Bishop got the start, so we're not counting round robin, we're not counting qualifying, the only three goalies started every game for their team. That was Carey Price, Jacob Markstrom, and Darcy Kemper. So last night it was Ben Bishop going back into his usual starter spot, but Kudobin's done a really good job. Um, how did that fall apart? It looked like his rebound control was all over the place. Wait, are you talking about Kudobin or Bishop? No, Bishop. For those first four goals, everything was like a pinball off of him. Yeah, he. You could tell that that's a goalie that hasn't played in a while. His his rebound control was off. His reaction time was off. And if you look. After McKinnon scores that goal, I think it's a yeah the third goal. They zoom in on Bishop's face, and he is just absolutely defeated, like letting out a big sigh, and just the, his eyes are looking to the ceiling. And you know, right there, he's he's done. Like mentally, he's not in it. And I, the Dallas Stars did not give him much help on that either. Like, sure, there's a couple that he's got to smother, and he's got to be a little quicker on the rebound. But the Avs and if you, you guys are loyal listeners and you heard me say it on last podcast, they're going to come out flying in the first and they're going to win this game. Well, that's looking <laughs> that's looking pretty true when they come out to a 5 nothing lead to start. And they outshot the Stars 23-8 to in the first period. Oh, wow. I, for some last I saw, I think it was like two minutes left. It was four shots for Dallas and or five 23 goals. to 5 sorry. So, yeah. So, as many shots for Dallas as goals... For Colorado, yep. how much of that do you think played in the fact and we know that Grubauer's hurt and then Pavel Francouz unfit to play? They're starting Michael Hutchinson. What's the conversation like in the dressing room before that game if you're on the avalanche? What a what a weird time that you have to do that in the elimination game, a back-to-back game, and you're looking at your third-string goalie in Michael Hutchinson, a guy that the Leafs basically just cast off because he wasn't getting it done for them and now he's starting a playoff game for a Stanley Cup contender that's expecting to go far in an elimination game I think if you're Jared Bednar you're rolling the dice here and you're like look guys we can't put this on our goalie this has to be a team effort it doesn't matter who we have in between the pipes if you're if you're an NHL team an NHL coach you got to at least assume you're confident with whoever you're putting in the pipes there. We need to play a tighter game defensively, and we need to get off to a good start early to give our guys some confidence in the crease. And that's exactly what they did. They didn't waste any time getting up on the Dallas Stars in the first period. Do you think they continue? They ended up finishing the game 6-3. Are you expecting this to go to seven games and have Colorado win on two, on uh, Wednesday rather as well? 
Look, I think Colorado can can win another game, but can they win three games in a row if you're counting last night as the first one? I don't know. I don't think Mason so. McKinnon, so yeah, I'd say they can. I don't I don't know if like this Dallas team is hungry and even though they lost uh or they were down five nothing, they still it was a six three game. So it's not like they just gave up, like they were hanging in there. And it's funny that the Avalanche were able to win this game six three because they were 0 for six on the power play. Which is for a team that has that much star power on your power play unit number one, that's insane. If you're Rick Bonus and you're wearing that sick old school Sens jacket, that uh, the <laughs> gif going around of of Bonus, but if you're him, who do you start in goal in game Kudobin. six? Kudobin, no, no doubt. I'm not even a doubt do in even my dra- mind. Do you even dress Bishop, or you're like, hey, thanks for trying it? It's definitely a lingering injury, right? Like he mm-hmm. played the two games in the round robin, was not himself, was not very good at all, and then showed up with that stinker in in game five so um yeah i go kudobin as well he's the more experienced at least recently um in terms of of getting game action and being in a rhythm so yeah i go back to him as well and i don't think colorado is gonna have a choice they might have to roll with hutchinson again yeah i like what do you do but you know what that's fine because if you're bet jared bednar you're looking at your team and you're like Look at what we did with Michael Hutchison in net. We don't need Grubauer or Francis. We we can be confident enough with our third guy that our offense can get it done. And when you've got players number one and two in playoff points scoring this year, you got to feel confident that, that you can at least run and gun and beat teams 6-5 or 7-6 or whatever you got to do. So we know one series is over. The Tampa Bay Lightning, 3-2 winners, double overtime. They take it in five games. Patty Maroon, still the only player who is able to repeat as a champion after winning it with St. Louis last season. And we still need to find out. And if the Islanders win, you heard it here first. And now Elliot Friedman tweeting out this morning, we could see game one of the East Final in Toronto. Do you think that is likely Or will Philly extend the series? We'll get into that in a minute. But first, let's tell you about our friends at Rock Auto. It's the family business that serves auto parts to customers online. And they've been doing it forever. 20 plus years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I wouldn't do it. Pillsy would never because we would go to rockauto.com. And Pillsy, get off get off the website. Man, you can't be doing that while we're recording. But after you're done or pause it right now, go to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just put locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need that's rockauto.com so coming up a little bit later we're going to get into jace howerluck's impressive video he threw up on instagram yesterday we're going to revisit the poll from yesterday's podcast and who would you want to see as your left shot defenseman on the third pair is it christian Wallanen 
or Mark Borvietsky. If you want to hear our arguments, download yesterday's podcast, the Locked On Senators podcast. And Pilsy, Philly, they, they got another win in them tonight. What's What are you feeling in that one? I've said it before. I always think that Philly can win these games. <laughs> I've been wrong a lot of times, but I'm sticking with my gut. I think Philly can win another game, and I think they can win the series. If they can, if Carter Hart can stay strong, and if they finally get some production from their big guys, I think they can beat this Islanders team. It's going to be a team effort, though, and they're going to need to get the lead early. Because as soon as the Islanders get the lead, they shut things down and they just smother you. You got to try to get the lead and try to get the Islanders on their heels. Otherwise, we've seen how it plays out. That's how the Islanders have been successful. So I'm saying if they don't score the first goal, they're in big trouble. The last time Claude Giroux scored in a postseason game was April of 2018. Now, albeit the Flyers didn't make the playoffs last year, so hard to get a playoff goal. But I'm counting I'm counting the round robins, and you're looking at that's a span of twenty-one games. That that's not gonna cut it for the captain of the Flyers. What does he need to do to get himself on the scoreboard? You gotta you gotta keep things simple. I feel like sometimes, you know, he's he's gripping the stick a little too tight. He know, he knows that stat, Ross. I think he goes to sleep every night being like, man. I got to get a goal here. This is ridiculous. My team's on the brink of elimination. I'm the captain. He's got to get going. Just play it simple. Varlamov has been one of the best goalies, if not the best, right up there with Robin Leonard and Vasilevsky in these playoffs. You got to get pucks on net. And the key to scoring in these playoffs, it seems, a lot of these goals, tips. Tips and deflections or sharp angles. It's really, really hard to beat the goalies cleanly when they're in the zone. You're not going to be able just to sneak a wrist shot past them. You got to get lucky. You got to get bounces. You got to play a simple, smart game. And if Claude Giroux can just keep sending pucks towards the net, hopefully one gets a deflection or he gets a deflection, that's what they're going to have to do to beat Varlamov, I think. So if the Islanders do advance, the Sens will pick no earlier then 28th with that pick, of course, coming back in the JGP trade. However, if they do win the Stanley Cup, Ottawa will not only draft 31st, but they'll get a third-round pick in 2022. So all that to keep an eye on as the playoffs uh, continue on, and we'll be here every step of the way to break that down for you. But we got the rumor mill going, and the captain trade got the ball rolling, but... The Winnipeg Jets, and they're going to have to make some sort of changes. What could it be? Is it going to be Line, maybe? Or is it going to be Nikolai Ehlers? Or is this just a bunch of smoke? Because those are two very valuable pieces. I don't see Ehlers being moved, Ross. Um, He's got a lot of term left on that deal. He had what I would say is a bit of a down season for him. And I don't think he had a good uh, qualifying round either. So... I think Ehlers is going to stay put. If anyone's getting moved, I think it's Patrick Line. And you look at kind of the tension between Line and the management. He was one of the guys that held out for a bit this year, right? And then, or was it last year? And they did that short kind of bridge deal. And then he's going to be a restricted free agent again. I think if you're Line, you're you're kind of saying, look, I don't think I've been getting the opportunities I deserve when I'm a 40 goal scorer. Like, I deserve to be put in better offensive positions. And 
you know, Paul Maurice ragged on him a lot for his defensive game, which needed to be improved. There was no secret about that. And he did improve that part of his defensive game. So now he's a little bit better of an all-around player. There's a lot of teams looking for a guy like Patrick Laine. They could get a nice price for him and try to spread out that roster, maybe have someone help them out on D. Uh, Pionk and Morrissey are great, but you need a little more depth there if you're the Jets, especially when you saw what happened when they ran into injury trouble here. Yeah, well, Patrick Laine, looking at his contract first, he's in the finishing the first year of a two-year contract, $13.5 million, but he's making seven point five in salary no signing bonus there but you mentioned being an rfa what kind of contract would he need in his next one because away from the puck there are a lot of deficiencies with his game but you get him in that ov spot on the power play and he's just gonna fire it in the net this guy had a five goal game last year yeah this he's a pure goal scorer and there's only a handful of them in the sends need that the sends need that and look if you get a guy like patrick line if you're the senators what an injection into your rebuild. Now, I don't don't you trade this. five. You trade five for him. Wait, wait, before we get to there, don't get too crazy. But this would be a similar situation, not quite the same, but as Panarin going to the Rangers, that was a quick boost where, you know, you're getting at least 30 goals injected into your lineup. I'm not saying line A is a heart candidate player. Not at all, but. He could put the puck in the net. We know that. And if you get him with a playmaking centerman that can feed him the puck on that right side, like you talked about in the power play, look out. As far as trading pick number five for him, I think it's definitely in the air because we've talked about it numerous times on this show. Who are we looking at a pick number five? Lucas Raymond, right shot, right winger, who can put the puck in the net. If you have a guy who already has that experience and is only 20, what's line A, 22, 21. 23, 21. Wait, no, no, he can't be because he's the same age as, um, he's a 98 birth year. He's 22, he's 22, born April 19th. Yeah, so 22-year-old that's already ready to go. You have to at least kick the tires on it. And I don't think fifth overall is that crazy. And if you're the Winnipeg Jets, that's looking nice to you. Some would say the third isn't even that crazy. Line A went second overall four years ago. Like, he's, he's I don't stud. think you trade the third overall pick if no, you're the Sens because you're going to get a more complete player that you're going to get uh, a couple more years out of, hopefully, in Byfield, Stutzla, or whatever way the Sens want to go here. But the fifth overall, I think that's not too crazy. You could you could figure out some sort of package uh, that works there because the Jets, they, they need some cap space here. They've got some guys coming up that are going to need contracts. I think Roslevic is a restricted free agent and they have a lot of good prospects that are also going to need new contracts here. So I think if you're the Jets, you're at least seeing what teams will offer and who has more to offer than the Ottawa Senators. In the last three seasons, Patrick Line has played 231 games and has 102 goals. So let that speak for itself. And you know what? If Nikolai Ehlers were available, and maybe this is a situation of me falling in love with him when I got to see him in Halifax uh, for the year I was living out there, uh, he had a 37-game point streak. And he was just the most dominant player I've ever seen in the queue. I missed McKinnon by one year, which was too bad. But uh, I would love to have Ehlers on the team too, like a, a slimy, uh, like he can just, it just seems like he slides through defenders. It's really good when he's on his game, but he's also the kind of player that would disappear for, for long stretches at the NHL level. Remember he just scored his first playoff goal this season and yeah. they went to the conference final in his first year and he was an offensive player. I think he scored 20 during the regular season. So Line A would definitely be the target, in my opinion. How, like, if you gave up the fifth, would that be a one for one, or what if they wanted you to sweeten that a little bit? 
I think you could throw a prospect in there if that's what they're asking. Uh, you could look at some guys in Belleville and maybe sweeten the deal a little because <laughs> the plethora of picks that Dorian has, like you're going to replace those prospects real quick. And there's teams like the Jets who are contenders. They want someone who's a little bit ripe already, who already has some experience. They already can get a read on this guy rather than just picking a fresh prospect. I, I would assume if they're getting the fifth overall pick that they can do that with. They would want someone who's already kind of on their way to being an NHL player to sweeten that deal. And if you're the Sens, you've got a lot of that. And you need you need to use your prospects and draft picks to get NHL talent. That's an absolute must at some point. Okay, so that's that's the high-end Scandinavians that might be available. But how about the one we know is available? And that is Jesse Pugliarvi, another high draft pick, fourth overall in that same draft, actually, as uh, as Patrick Laine. They started together in the World Juniors uh, for Team Finland. But he is absolutely making a mockery of the Finnish league. I think he's got something like 15 points in his first four games. And at some point... There's going to have to be a decision. Now, the score came out with the report that he will sign with the Edmonton Oilers. But until pens to paper, the way that that, um, I guess now they're on a break type type thing. Like he was there and now he's not. He's still signed. But what do you think it would cost to, to get him out? And how much control will that this young player have on his destination? As far as cost-wise, um, I don't think you're looking at a first-round pick anymore. Unless the Islanders' first-round pick ends up being 28th or above, you can kind of blend that in as a second-round pick. But you're not... I don't think anything above pick 25 in the first round, that's too much for Pugliarvi. I don't think his value is there just because of the tension that he's had with the Oilers. And when he's been in the NHL, he hasn't lit it up at all. In fact, he's been very, very underwhelming. His best season, 65 games played, 12 goals, 8 assists for 20 points. That's not going to cut it. So I think if you're the Senators or other rebuilding teams looking to get a big boost like this, you're looking at maybe a second round pick and a prospect or a second and a third round pick or something like that. Because if you're the Oilers, you've lost all leverage here. Like you don't have any leverage. Teams can be like, okay, you don't want our package. Have fun keeping Pooley and having him rot away and lose value by the day, essentially, while he's lighting it up in um, overseas, like you said. So if you're the Senators, I think you play this one patiently because the leverage is gone for the Oilers and they have to move him. You cannot have a guy as good as him sitting in your franchise doing nothing when they need that depth scoring. He is the, it's so funny that it's not working out because he is the guy they need, but it just hasn't been working out. So if you're the Senators, I think definitely you kind of linger and wait there and see if you can get a real cheap deal here. Yeah, somebody's going to jump, though, just the way he's lighting it up. And if you look at last season in Carpat, he had 53 points in 56 games. And remember how young this guy is, too, 22 years old with yep. all the physical traits. He's six foot four, over 200 pounds, and can play a power forward role. So those are players who might become senators. We saw Jace Howerluck became a senator last season. He did not slip through the waiver wire like Florida wanted. And he is just lighting it up in his garage, which is as close to the ice as any senator will get competitively, at least. Pilsy, were you, how impressed were you by that video? It went 7 for 7. I was pretty impressed. Uh, we're going to assume that was first take. Uh, I don't think... <laughs> hopefully he wasn't sitting in his garage for hours waiting for that perfect one to send. We're going to assume that was first take, so good on you. Jay Sourlook, 
Nice player and a nice pickup for the Senators. We talked a little bit off-air, Ross. I think he's a great guy to have on that fourth line with Nick Paul. Either one of those guys can slot to the center position or you have another guy uh, in the middle of them. But I think they're nice guys to have on your fourth line that can bounce up to the third line and play a big, hard physical game. Yeah, and you look at what he brought to the Sens when he came in on off of waivers last year. He was like almost a point every other game, too. He's contributing offensively, and you know he's a water bug. He gets, hounds pucks in the offensive zone. Always first man in on the four check. And you mentioned playing with Nick Paul. I do think that could be a nice combination because Nick Paul plays a pretty similar style of game. Bit heavier of a wrist shot on Nick Paul, but you saw the accuracy there from Jace Howerluck. Uh, so don't put it past him to make an impact next season. Uh, with the Ottawa Senators. And uh, from a senator to a former senator, Zdeno Chair, we mentioned the Bruins off the top of the show. They're eliminated. Is this it for the 43-year-old, or do you think Chair will be back again for, what, season? We mentioned he started in 97. So is he going to be back for season 24? It's hard to say because Chara is 43 years old, which is insane when you think about it, but I don't think there's a single guy in the league that has as as detailed and thorough of a workout regimen as Zdeno Chara. Like, I think, I forget who did the article. I think it was an athletic article a couple of years ago, but they tracked his summer training and he does insane bike rides and all, every single workout I think he's done in the last like 20 years is written down on a notepad in pen and pencil. Yeah, definitely. And his dad was a Roman Greco wrestler too. So growing yeah. up, he had to battle him in, in the ring too. So yeah, I, I think he even did a leg of the Tour de France a few a few years ago, or maybe it was the Giro d'Italia. But I believe this, it. This guy is an animal athletically. Do you think? I know Tom Brady's not in Boston anymore, but they definitely have a relationship from de- a decade plus in the same market. Do you think he looks at Brady, who wants to play till he's forty five, fifty, and he's like, "I'm going to go head to head with you. I'm going to keep it up." Like, not the best playoff for for Big Z. By any stretch, he was a minus four, uh, 13 games, no goals, kind of being carried by Charlie McAvoy. But in the regular season, he was still plus 26. I mean, the points, the offensive ability, he's not going to score in double-digit goals like he did for much of his career. But he is still a veteran presence and an intimidating presence, too. You don't think these guys, when you, when he, you're on the ice, much like Boro, you don't think that they're like, oh, like big Z's out there with his long reach and he's going to finish me in the boards like he still has that even at his age absolutely and like there i i can't think of anything worse as a day on your job and your shift on the ice is standing in front of the net with big z cross-checking you in the back five six times over and over and over like that's got to be so demoralizing and you gotta you gotta feel those bumps and bruises every night when you're going to sleep if you're up against him but it's tough to say if he's going to be back i think it's entirely on on him. Like, it's his decision. I think if he wants to come back, Boston will work out a one-year deal. I don't think money's an issue. His last deal, he signed a one-year for $2 million, I think. So that's not really a problem for the cap, especially with, like you said, the tangibles that he brings. And that's been your captain for a long time now. So it'll be interesting. But if you're Zidane Chara, what left do you have to prove, right? Like, Well, he only has the one cup. Yeah, you're... but. You've been it's to the not, finals three times. You're one and two. I think you'd like to to hopefully bring that back to even. You think they can make it to the finals again next season? I don't. No. So no, not with the Sens coming up in the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for Char to keep going, especially with 
the way the world is today, I think I would just ride off into the sunset here. And it's kind of, I feel like it's almost time for Boston to kind of turn, turn the page here. They, they need to do something to change this up. Otherwise they're just going to be like round one, round two kind of team, which is fine. Like that's, that's good success. But for a team that demands the championship caliber, you talked about the Patriots, the Boston is a team that demands championships. I don't know if that group and that core led by Zidane Char is going to get it done anymore. Oh, it's going to be interesting to find out. I mentioned uh, Boro as being a guy you need to know where, where he's out on the ice. Well, Sense fans want to know where he's going to play next year. We had a poll yesterday saying, who would you rather have as the Sense third pair left D? And Boro is getting crushed. Usually he's the one doing the, the big hits, but Christian will land an 81% through th- over 300 votes. And how surprising is that for you, Pilsy? I know you were on the Boro train. I mean, I'm not that surprised. I talked about it last the time. prospect like glasses. The, yeah, the Sens fans, they got the prospect goggles on. They can't really see straight sometimes. Where, like, I, I'm going to reiterate this one more time, Ross. Where are you going to get those hits and block shots replaced? Who's doing Andreas that? Andreas Anglin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I want him in Belleville, that but that's another story. That guy's the organization story. longer than anyone, I think. Like, who? Him and Bobby Ryan? That's it. Maybe Nick Paul oh, is right uh, around there. Andy, but is Andy, like, is he officially still on the team? Who who knows? Um, but It'd be nice to hear from Pierre Dorian, eh? <laughs> It'd be great. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe he'll go on Toronto-based radio if he's feeling like it. But, I'll try to get him on the lunch. Yeah, yeah, Leafs lunch, <laughs> Pierre Dorian. would be great. He could talk about how you build defense to win championships. But when you're looking, like... And we, we talked about it with Big Z. The intangibles there are so valuable. The leadership off ice, the the veteran experience. You know, I love Christian Willinen, but if that if we're splitting hairs and we're looking at that, I'm going Boro all day. All right. Well, we're going to have lots more time to break that down and more. Coming up later in the week on the Locked On Senators podcast, we're going to discuss who is more likely to have an opening night roster spot. Is it Josh Norris or... Is it Logan Brown? We'll get into all that. And Max Domi's name has come up in a lot of trade rumors. We talked about Line A and Ehlers today. Would it be crazy to kick tires in Domi's direction? We'll get into all that. But for now, that's it for us. That's Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.